the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts deep into my heart. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to a wet and cold, cold winter day on the Word to Stand On for Life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. Thrilled that you tuned into the program. If you're out on the streets, just please drive carefully. Uh, Things are slick out there. We've been hearing sirens all day long, so please take it easy. Um, This is a program, as I hope you know by now, dedicated to taking your phone calls and answering your Bible questions, questions about what we believe as Christians and why, questions about maybe something you're going through uh, right now in your life, questions about the Word of God, anything and everything. We'll do the best that we can to answer your questions. Here are our phone numbers, 340-9585. That's 340-9585. You can also call us toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. That's 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com, or you can send them in on our free Calvary Chapel mobile app. If you're driving in your car, again, be careful, but the safest way to call is to use the KSLR free mobile app. Just hit the Call Now button, and you'll be connected directly to our studio producer. A couple of things to remind you. I told you I'd remind you all this week and next. Remember, December 15th, that's a week from Friday, uh, will be our kids' Christmas play at Judson High School Performing Arts Center. You'll love it. The kids will will bless your socks off. So uh, you are welcome. There is no charge to come. What a great way to spend your Friday evening with your family. Uh, Then two days later, on December 17th, is our annual Christmas dinner. Uh, It's a big, big deal. It's at the Shirts Civic Center. Uh, The Christmas play starts at 6.30. The Christmas dinner starts at 4 o'clock on the 17th. It's a Sunday afternoon. And we'll have hundreds and hundreds of people there. And um, you're more than welcome. Uh, Please introduce yourself if you come by. You will be blessed by all of the people. If you're worried about feeling a little uncomfortable because you don't know anybody, you'll only be uncomfortable for about 30 seconds because you will be loved on like you can't even begin to imagine. So all of that coming up. Also, because this is a Wednesday night here at Calvary Chapel of San Antonio, I'll be teaching um, our... Old Testament Bible study. We're in 1 Samuel chapter 29. We're going to begin chapter 30 tonight as well. Uh, in the life of David, this is just about when David is going to come into power. Saul's last day as a Christian is at hand. Uh, I'm sorry, as a Christian. What am I saying? He's not a Christian. As the king of Israel is at hand. And uh, David is soon going to take over for him. So that's tonight. And then, of course, tomorrow on the Thursday program, it's the Date Day Show. And Paula will be live in the studio with me. Uh, Ladies, it's the day we set aside for your questions. If you need any encouragement, if you're going through anything, we'd love to have your participation. All of that to say, let's get started. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Uh, My first question is from our email inbox from Michael. I says, hello, Pastor Ron. I hope you're well, and may God continue to bless you, Paula and the church. 
I'm sure you heard that President Trump officially recognized Jerusalem as Israel's capital, which is awesome and long overdue. Does this have any correlation or significance in regards to the coming rapture? What kind of impact do you think this will have on the United States and Christians worldwide? Is there anything we should do or be doing as a result about this? Uh, respectfully, Michael. Michael, thank you for the question. I was going to talk about this uh, even before I got your question because this really is a big deal. This is a monumental deal. Now, first of all, let me say, I don't know why everybody's up in arms over this because this is exactly what he promised on on his campaign. This is one of the things that he said he would be sure to do, and uh, and he's just doing what he did. Now, maybe it's surprising that politicians keep their promises, but in this particular case, uh, this is, I think, a really important step. So let me start with just the foundation. Jerusalem is the city of David. Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. It always has been and always will be, whether or not humans recognize it. So to pretend that by maintaining that Jerusalem is a divided city, we can somehow maintain world peace is just kidding ourselves. Tel Aviv has never been the capital. It was recognized by the rest of the world. We understand that. But remember, this is God's land. And only God gets to choose what the capital is going to be. And so you're right, Michael, this is awesome and it's long overdue, but believe me, it's going to come with a lot of trouble. Uh, This has been already today, and this is just the first day, this has already been characterized as as an act of war by the King of Jordan. Uh, President Trump's sanity is being questioned even more than normal. As a result of this, politicians in this country are sort of marking their territory to make sure that they're on the right side of this, politically speaking, and they're speaking out against this. Um, And it just demonstrates how far we as a nation have come, how far away we've come from caring at all about what God says or does. How arrogant it is for a nation given its start by God. That doesn't mean we were a Christian nation, so I don't want to be misunderstood there. But God gave this country its birth. Not only did he give this country its birth, but he's blessed us abundantly. We have been in our history uh, an Israel supporter without the United States. There would be no 1948 return to Israel as a nation. There would be no 1967 or 73 war victories without this country. We have been Israel's protector. And God has blessed us. And in the last 20 years, especially the last eight We've lost our way. We've been trying from the beginning to give away the land that belongs to God. We have no right to give it away. So I think it's a really, really good thing. But believe me, Michael, this is going to be one of those things that's met with a lot of hostility. Let me say this in regard to your question about any significance in regards to the coming rapture. Some of the people that are opposing this, um, Israel's neighbors, of course, But those nations to the north, those nations are described in Ezekiel 38 and 39, including Russia, Iran. But most problematic is Turkey. You know, Turkey is the modern-day name for Asia Minor, where Paul established the churches and Jesus wrote, letters to seven of those churches in the book of Revelation. And Turkey has always been our ally and we theirs. And that began to change dramatically in the last decade. And the Turkish foreign minister has come out with incendiary statements about what this will mean. And if Turkey turns against us, We're seeing the fulfillment of prophecy. 
Now, I'm not one of those guys. Most of you listening for any length of time, you know this. I'm not a guy that's got the newspaper in one hand, the Bible in the other, and saying, oh, all these things could happen. Isn't great? Jesus coming soon. The fact that Jesus could come at any minute is exciting enough for me. But if Turkey turns against us and allies with our enemies, then the table is really being set for the very end. We know from Isaiah chapter 17, Jeremiah chapter 49, that Damascus, Syria will be destroyed. This is the place Paul was on the way to when he got saved. It'll be destroyed, it'll be cataclysmic, it'll be instant. We see the table already having been set for that. So there's a whole lot that's going on in this world that seems to fit the end-time scenario. And Michael, for all of us who are Christians, it just means that Jesus is getting ready to come for his bride, his church. So the way we get ready for the rapture is first to anticipate it. Not like every hour it's going to come at a certain time. Not, not like that, but imagine being with Jesus. Imagine that moment when we're called to heaven in an instant when the last trump of God, that doesn't mean it's a literal trumpet, it's just God calling us to earth, it's metaphoric language, and we'll be with him and away from the evil in this world and we'll be with Jesus at our wedding banquet. So how can we get ready? What should we be doing? We should be sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ everywhere we go. You know, there's just no excuse. I talked a little bit uh, this past Sunday at our church here um, about offering our bodies as living sacrifices. One of those responsibilities that we have is to be active in sharing our faith. And it's just not something much of the church is really involved in or even slightly interested in. And I thank God there's a lot of people who still are active in sharing their faith, but we don't want people to reject us. We don't want to get in people's business. We don't want to be thought of as Bible thumbers or Jesus freaks. I don't know why, by the way. And so because we're uncomfortable and we don't want to make other people uncomfortable, we're not doing what Jesus told us to do. I want you to think about something. Everybody in this listening audience who is a believer, every single one of us, has people on our prayer list who aren't saved. People that we pray for on a consistent basis. Let me just arbitrarily say, and I'm not setting a date here, I'm just using this as an illustration. But imagine if Jesus came next Monday and you didn't actively tell those people you're praying for about the gospel message. You didn't go share your faith. Or maybe you went somewhere and you saw somebody who was hurting and you didn't share with them. You see, that's what we're to do. We're to occupy until he comes. It doesn't mean we just sit like bumps on a log. It means that we're busy about our Father's business. And his business was illustrated to us in the Great Commission. Go into all the world and share the good news of Christ risen and crucified from the dead. There's one other thing we should be doing, Michael, if we're going to give any power or have any authority when we share. We have to be living godly lives. Paul's statement in our message last Sunday, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, he said to do it in view of God's mercy. Based on everything God has done, what should our response be? To offer everything we are and everything we ever will be to God. And to do that, we have to pursue personal holiness. And holiness may be a, an ugly word to some, for a lot of us, talking about holiness, oh, I can't do that, and I can't do that, and I can't do that. But walking with Jesus is holiness. To walk with him, we have to be in the light because he is the light. So we need to be about our Father's business, pursuing Jesus, pursuing holiness, walking away from evil and walking more and more closely with Jesus. 
And then in the process of doing that, we're going to have power to share the message of the gospel. That's the only thing that we can do. I do fear that things are going to get more difficult for Christians in the rest of the world, especially the closer you get to Jerusalem, the more difficult it's going to be. I believe the Jews, because they have always been the most persecuted people in the history of the world. I believe that they will be persecuted once again. And I would imagine that Israel, especially in and around Jerusalem, will become a more dangerous place for the short term. So I guess, Michael, our answer is Jesus, come quickly. Look up, for your redemption is near. And the signs are all around us. Again, this isn't a beat the drum, Jesus is coming, everybody get ready, you'll be here in a week. I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is that we need to be serious about these last days. 340-9585. I'm sorry, I didn't mean for that to go on that long. 340-9585. Here's a question from our mobile app from Rich. Rich says, what is open theism in contrast to Calvinism or Arminianism? Um, Rich, open theism is, is actually silliness, but uh, it's the belief that God doesn't know the future. Um, the premise is, if God truly knew the future, um, how could man have free will? And nobody doubts or should doubt that man has free will. Calvinism would say, well, you know, God causes all things. Um, the open theist would say, no, God doesn't know what's going to happen. He died for us. He saved us. But he doesn't know the future. He responds when something happens, but he isn't controlling the future. Um, open theists are not Christians by definition. They don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God and God the Son. Um, but it, it's just sort of a, a very worldly perspective that almost limits God to, to being like us as humans. Let me just say this. God has no problem knowing the future, knowing the end from the beginning. He lives outside of time and space. And yet he gives us free will to make the choices that we have to make every day. Choices to serve him or to serve evil. to Choices to sin or to walk in holiness. God knows the choice that we're going to make in all of those cases. But he doesn't cause the choice we're going to make. Now, Arminianism is something completely different, Rich. Arminianism is that man's free will sort of trumps everything, and we can be saved and give away our salvation and lose it and do all those things. We can say, yes, I'm a Christian today, but tomorrow, no, I'm not going to be a Christian. So, uh, Calvinism or Arminianism are extremes, but both fall under Orthodox Christian doctrine. Open theism is not Christian and does not fall under Orthodox Christian faith, our Christian faith. So I hope that helps. 340-9585. Uh, I wanted to go back just very briefly to the, the question that we ended our show with yesterday. I thought I had a little bit more time and the music started really quickly. Um, it was sent in by Anonymous. And Anonymous uh, said, I feel strange when people in church raise their hands or shout during worship. Am I wrong? Um, uh, Anonymous, one of the things I did say yesterday, I think you're too focused on how you feel. Um, you know, give people the freedom to be different. Um, I'm not a song, a music person. Uh, I enjoy worship here at church because I know the people that are doing it. I know what God has done in their lives, and I enjoy watching people be used. That's sort of the best thing about what I do. Um, Paula, when she sings, you should see her face. And we have a whole bunch of people. You know, on Sundays, uh, actually every time I, I teach, I go up right at the end, toward the end of the very last song, and sometimes I sort of misjudge a little bit, so I'm up there a little longer. Well, I get to stand out and look at the faces of people. And there's a whole bunch of people in our church body that I'd love to be sitting by during worship. 
because you can tell they're into it, heart and soul, tears sometimes streaming down their faces, smiles on their faces, arms raised, sort of dancing a little bit with the music, not in a in a in a get attention kind of way, but just sort of um, move them with the music. And uh, it's just a beautiful thing to watch. And while that doesn't, that's not like my thing, my thing shouldn't be their thing, and their thing doesn't have to be my thing. And the reason I wanted to come back to this anonymous is because I wanted you to learn to enjoy the freedom that we have in worship. You have the freedom to look at the words and sing them. You have the freedom to look at the words and contemplate them. You have the freedom to raise your hands and keep your hands stuffed in your pockets. But if you're worried about what other people are doing, then you're not worshiping. And to miss out on the worship is really, really, really getting ripped off. So don't worry about it. You know, we don't have weird things happen. We have one weird thing that happens here, but it's a neat thing. We've kind of grown to love as a church. We get a guy who sits in the front row and that points during the song you go woo real loud and 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 we like it my worship pastor breaks out a big smile when that happens um but it's just very short and, and again it's something the church has sort of grown used to but you won't have anybody dancing around we won't have anybody falling on their face those kind of things um because we don't want to distract others from worship we don't want to be the center of attention we want Jesus to be front and center during all the worship and then allow people the freedom to respond as they will. Uh, a few years ago, we had somebody come in um, who was just visiting uh, for the first time. They actually came twice, and they brought a tambourine in. And I looked around, and there was a tambourine playing. I looked around to find out the source of it because everybody here at the church started looking right at me because they know that I don't like tambourines. It's just awful to me. And so I just said, no tambourines on the worship team. We don't. Well, they brought one in church and we're doing it. So we had ushers talk to them very nicely. They came back um, without the tambourine the next time. So um, we, we don't want to cause distractions. At the same time, we want to give people the freedom to worship. And there's always sort of a difficult line to traverse in that situation. So, Anonymous, I really wanted to go back to that because... Um, I don't want you to feel strange. When you're worshiping, you should feel nothing but love. By the way, one other thing. For the Christian out there who says, well, you know, things aren't going right now, and I feel like if I worship, it would be a hypocrite. We're only a hypocrite if we don't worship God. He deserves our worship. Remember, it's called a sacrifice of praise. And we ought to worship him regardless of how we feel. That is our sincere or genuine act of worship. So learn to worship God. Thank you. 340-9585. We're coming to the end of the first half of the program. Let me do a question I can do pretty quickly. Uh, this one comes from Bill. Uh, will animals be in heaven? Bill, the answer is no, they won't. People say, well, there's going to be horses in heaven. Well, that's probably a metaphor uh, John was seeing a vision, and he was uh, interpreting that vision based on the time that he lived in. And um, kings who uh, rode horses uh, were, were they did so in times of war. And Jesus, to picture from a Jewish perspective, Jesus coming back in victory, they would show him on a war horse, uh, this white horse. So the symbolism is rich. But no, there's not going to be angels in heaven, or I'm sorry, animals in heaven. Um, only humans and angels are made in God's image in the sense that we will live forever somewhere. Animals are God's gift to us, Bill. And we can enjoy them. We know that God loves us because he's given so many of us such great animals. As You've heard me say in the past, we, Paul and I, had a dog for 15 years that um, really was our family. Um was with us through so many things, even through my conversion. Um, came to Texas with us after uh, when he was 13 years old. 125-pound um, Rhodesian Ridgeback Boxer mix. A great dog. And that dog was useful. dog taught us, or the Lord used him to teach us how to love the people in the church. 
but he also used that dog to teach us how much he loves us. Uh, he was a gift from God, and we enjoyed him. But believe me, the fact that there are going to be no animals in heaven doesn't mean uh, that we're going to miss them or that we're going to need them or that somehow heaven would be richer if we had them there. It is a whole new order of living. And too often we look at it from an earthly perspective and we sort of lose the majesty of what heaven is going to be. So, Bill, I'm sorry to say this. Animals won't be in heaven, but we won't miss them at all. And we will worship God for having given them to us in the first place. So, hope you're not angry with me. Hey, we're coming to the end of the program, or the end of the, this, the first half of the program. Three four zero ninety five eighty five for your live calls and questions. We'd love to have your participation. The program is always better when you are involved. We've got some good questions that have been sent in, but it's always better uh, when you are involved. Let me remind you again that on uh, December the fifteenth, a week from Friday, we'll have our children's Christmas play at the Judson High School Performing Arts Center, six thirty in the evening. A great, great source of entertainment for you family uh, on that night. We'd love to have you join us. And then two days later, our Christmas dinner. Um, we'd love to have you join us there as well. I'll be talking more about that uh, for the rest of the week. Hey, pray for us. We'll be back on the other side of the break. We'll see you in two minutes. the word to stand on for life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Thanks for holding on. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Uh, My studio producer here um, commented during the break that I may have made it sound like I was lumping Damascus with the comments I made about Turkey in the first uh, question that we had opening the show uh, regarding uh, Jerusalem becoming the capital of of Israel acknowledged by the United States. We're going to put our embassy there. Uh, And if I did that, I didn't mean to do that. Uh, When I I shifted gears from Turkey uh, to Damascus, it was a separate thought, different conversation. So uh, all of these things are going to happen. These are things that we can watch for to know that the time is is even nearer. You know, the Apostle Paul says to make the most of every opportunity, redeem the time, because the time is short. When we see these things happen, the things that we see now falling into place, we really could be right at the very end of time as we know it. Now, the challenge for us, and I want to emphasize this, and I'll do it repeatedly, because one of the criticisms that those of us who believe the rapture of the church is going to happen uh, before the Great Tribulation, uh, we receive criticism, oh, uh, you know, you've been saying he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. Well, that's nothing new. Peter addressed that nearly 2,000 years ago. So, Jesus is coming, he could come at any moment. But we also are told by Jesus himself to know the signs of the time so that we can be ready. That that means we don't get bummed out if he doesn't come tomorrow. We're not waiting, well, he's going to come this year, so I'm not going to pay my bills. We, We live our lives pursuing Jesus, pursuing holiness. But we see Damascus, Syria... And we see what's become of that city. We see there's a madman who's running it. And at any given moment, he could be wiped off the face of the earth and we'll say, wow, that's exactly what Isaiah said. The city's no more. They said sheep will lie down where the city was and won't be disturbed. So the time is near. We need to remember that. Here's a question from Anonymous. 
Pastor Ron, can someone be transgender and a Christian at the same time? Um, anonymous Christians like this, yes, they can, but they'd have to repent of one thing or, or of their sin and, and believe in Jesus. Now, the, 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 the sense of your question, I think, is uh, if somebody is actively transgender um, and they're, they're fine with it and they're proud of it, and yet they claim they're they, they claim they're a Christian. Is that possible that they can be saved? The answer is no. The answer is no. God made us male and female. We have XX chromosomes or XY chromosomes. There's no third option. And it is our responsibility as humans to accept our biology as it is. Now, we live in a time where obviously you all know this, it's been it's blown so up so quickly. Uh, in just a matter of the last I don't know, six or seven years, the unthinkable is now become the ordinary. And now we have parents of really young children allowing them to choose which gender they want to be. But what we're doing is we're condemning those people to a life filled with pain and confusion and misery. The psychological problems uh, will be enormous. And they're not resolved, the psychological problems, they're not resolved by saying, well, I feel like a girl, I want to be a girl if you're a, a genetic male. So here's what we've got to understand. To be a Christian, by definition, anonymous, means we agree with Jesus Christ. He's the one who made us male and female. Nothing has been made that he didn't make, we're told by John. So here's what we have to understand. We're no longer armed. We don't have a right to our opinions. And this whole transgender war is an all-out war, attack against God. And that should surprise no one because that's what's been happening in this world that we live in and even in our country. And it's in our face every single day. If you are a Christian, you have to agree with Jesus. And before I go on to another question, think about what that means. The world says it's okay to have sex with somebody you're not married to. It's no big deal. As a Christian, you can't agree with that. It's a very big deal because it's a very big deal to Jesus. Christians says it's okay to smoke marijuana. It's okay to get high. It's okay to go out and party. I mean, you know, we deserve to be fun or to have fun. We deserve to be happy. As a Christian, we cannot agree with that. God is accused of making people homosexuals. Well, this is the way I was born. It's not my fault. As a Christian, we cannot take that perspective. We're blaspheming God if we do. And what that means necessarily, Anonymous, is that all those people who are professing Christians but in gay-affirming churches and proud of their sin. Isaiah chapter 5 says they, 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 they drag their sin behind them through the public streets with, with cords of deceit. A world where we call good evil and evil good. That's the time that we live in again. Just as it happened in Israel those thousands of years ago. It's happening right here before our very eyes. And we who are Christians have got to stand strong. And that means we've got to stand against the flow of the world. My study this coming Sunday, Anonymous, um, is just one verse. Last week I did just one verse, Romans 12.2. This week, or 12.1 this week, I'm going to do just one verse, Romans 12.2. And it says that we have to be transformed, change in terms of character. And the way we do that is by the renewing or the making new of our mind, thinking new. It means we have to go constantly against the flow of the world that we live in. And that's hard for us because we, we like to be liked, we like to be accepted, we like to be well thought of. But what we need to want is to be thought of well by Jesus. 
And we do that by agreeing with them. So no, someone cannot be actively transgender and claim to be saved. Now, if somebody is transgender, they get saved, what will happen is they'll repent. And they'll accept who they are, the person God made them, and walk with Jesus. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Anonymous, another one, says, Why do churches go into debt to buy buildings when the Bible says we're to owe nothing to anyone except love? Anonymous, you're sort of quoting Romans chapter 13. Have no outstanding debt except the continuing debt of love. Uh, another translation says, owe no man anything. But the context of that passage isn't just money. It's not money, in fact, at all. What we are to do is to um, pay our debts. That's the only reference it has to money. If you make an obligation, uh, then pay it. You know, we can't buy, most of us can't buy houses. We don't have enough money to buy them. And most people can't buy cars for cash. So we finance them. They're necessities of the world that we live in. But, but that obligation is pay your debts, and then you have no outstanding debt. So it's very important that you understand that the, the context of what you're reading. Um, the one unpayable debt, an inescapable debt, is the debt of love. That means we owe everyone a continuing obligation. We owe it to God, and God's asking us to pay it for him to them. We owe the debt of love. For God so loved the world. So, as I said in the last question, we have to, to agree with Christ, so we, we have to love the people that he loved. Even the hard ones to love, especially the hard ones to love. So, when a church goes into debt, they take a mortgage to build a building, there's nothing wrong with that. Now, having said that, I've said on this program before that one of the restrictions God has put on us, this our particular church at Calvary Chapel, is that he doesn't want us taking a mortgage. Um, the way he told me, and this was many, many years ago, um, my money's for ministry, not for mortgage. And that's, that's just his plan for me, for this church. There's been a few times when I thought, well, that's not fair. But, you know, you get over that, you repent, and, and you learn the secret of being content in every circumstance. But, you know, it takes a big building, a big building, to put a lot of people in. And churches, unless they're really, really cash flush, they've got to finance them. There's nothing at all wrong with that if they do it. I wish at times God would let us do it. We're in a particularly difficult time right now because uh, the city where we, we minister, Universal City, um, they've changed code requirements and and uh, they really don't want us where we are anymore. They love us. We, we, we perform some great service to the community with Malta Medical and the other things that we do here. But they want the retail tax revenue. Um, uh, they won't let us expand. It, you know, when we got it, we've been here for 20 years um, in this building. We've expanded a couple of We didn't have to ask anybody. Just tell them what we were doing. And the city was fine with it. But now it's changed. Things have changed. And so finding a place isn't as simple as, well, let's just go out and find a new place. And the other issue we have, of course, is because everything we do is free. We can't save any money. We're always sort of praying just to hold our heads above water. Um, the only way we're ever going to get a building, if you ever see us or hear me say we're going to move or we've got a building under construction, we bought another church somewhere, uh, it'll, it'll be because God dropped a pot full of money on us and believe me, we need it, but uh, we can't take matters into our own hands. So Anonymous, I hope that gives you a little bit of context for the question that you asked. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. Here's a heartbreaking question from Rod. He says, if someone has been a Christian for many years and gets dementia and then denies Jesus, do they lose their salvation? Rod, this is sad from a number of levels. It's sad because you obviously know somebody who's going through that situation. This isn't just a, an arbitrary question. But it's sad also because Paul and I have been involved in nursing home ministries 
uh, and of course we've had people over the years in in our church who uh, serve the Lord faithfully and who uh, have, have come down with Alzheimer's or with dementia and it's always one of the most difficult things, the saddest things to watch um, but I want you to understand something um, you can't lose your salvation because you didn't do anything to earn it uh, the fact that somebody in a uh, nursing home uh, or uh, an Alzheimer's patient uh, no longer has uh, the ability to think straight. Uh, can you imagine God abandoning them? So the answer is no, they, they don't lose their salvation. Something else I want you to consider, Ron. We know that God is our comforter. And even in their diminished state and sometimes especially with Alzheimer's uh, people get violent they lose a memory of the people that they love and have always loved and as cruel as that seems to us I promise you I promise you that Jesus is comforting them now we're really uncomfortable because we don't like to see what's unfolding before our very eyes uh, one of the dear, dear, dear families who've been so faithful for a long time uh, here at Calvary Chapel. They're going through that now. Um, this man's father um, is to the place now he has to be institutionalized because they can't take care of him. But Jesus is comforting him. Jesus is comforting him. And we can know that, and I hope that will help you, Rod, if this is appropriate, to deal with your discomfort over these things. You know, sometimes we look, well, how could God let this happen? We live in a broken world. And Alzheimer's or dementia or, or diseases of the mind, just like cancer is a disease of the body, um, things wear out. That's the punishment for sin entering the world. That wasn't God's intent. But Jesus will be comforting the one you love. So have no fear. They won't lose their salvation. It's impossible for them to do so. Let's go to uh, line one. We've got an anonymous caller. You're on the air. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Uh, line one, got You're welcome. Thanks for calling. Uh, yeah, you... what I wanted to ask, yeah, I wanted to ask, you know, uh, the, that's a, a very interesting topic, the one that you are talking about, about uh, gay and uh, being, you know, if they're going to inherit the, you know, salvation and all that. And I wanted to ask an interesting question related to myself, I think. Uh, I noticed in the last eight years, uh, I have experienced, like you know, that I, I feel these like a, like like uh, I've been treated like like if I would be gay or something. But then you know I have all my youth um, being straight, never had any of these issues. Got married, have five kids, a wonderful life. I love Jesus. You know I have dreams with Jesus, and and I believe in Him a hundred percent. But uh, the, these last eight years, I feel like I've, I've been fighting a battle. What I feel like people treat me like, like if I would be gay or something, and 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 I feel ashamed of actually even asking or saying something about it. So what I do, I try to ignore all that because I know I'm not that. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and then you, I said that I fight a battle because not only exteriorly but also internally because of my mind I start doing brainstorming on these issues and then I said well no and I tried to you know and and, and it's been years of that and so uh, it sometimes make me wonder you know you know uh, you know I know where I stand but, but sometimes it make me wonder could it be that maybe uh, people change with times? Uh, maybe you know, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe uh, 
you know, I don't know how to explain that. It is just yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think I, I get the gist of what you're asking. Um, let, let me ask you to sort of uh, just uh, listen to the to the answer on the radio. Um, I feel like the Lord has given me some some encouragement for you. So um, uh, thank you for calling and and uh, let me see if I can help. A couple of things here. First, you need to understand that you are uh, the the enemy is using other people in your life to um, as as a means of, of a full on attack against you. He's planning these thoughts in your head. You know, the Bible says that we have the mind of Christ. We have to hold on to that mind. We constantly have to be uh, transformed by the renewing of our mind, Romans 12, 2 says. And we, we, our mind is renewed, made new uh, in the Word of God, and it has to be something that we participate in every day. You know, people are treating you, you said, like you're gay. And I don't know what that means. Maybe they, they think that you're... you're uh, um, more feminine than their picture of a man might be. None of that matters. That you're kind, that you love Jesus, that you've been serving him. Um, nobody changes. But what's happened is the enemy's taken these thoughts and they've planted them into your brain and he's the one who's stirring them up. And what you have to do is you have to recognize that he's the source of those things. And since God never changes... And because you love Jesus, that's your own confession of faith. You're saved. You've got to reject those thoughts. Paul says to the Corinthians, take every thought captive and make them obedient. The thoughts you have, make those thoughts obedient to Christ. And so if you understand that they're coming from an enemy, what you have to do is reject those lies and focus on what God's Word tells you to do every day. Now, the other comment, and, and this one I felt like the Lord was speaking to my heart specifically for you. He has an answer for you. He said you're, you're consumed with these thoughts. Instead, exchange those thoughts for the Word of God. Exchange those thoughts. You know who you are, made in the image of God. You know that you love Jesus. You know you've served Him a long time. But understand, understand clearly that that's an enemy trying to destroy you. And you've got to replace those thoughts with Jesus' word. It's the only way that we can stand. Now, if you called to me and said, well, you know, I'm tempted to steal something, I would say, get in the word. If you called me and said, my wife and I, we, we're not getting along, um, um, we're thinking about divorcing, I'd say, get in the word. Because if we're not in God's word regularly, now, I don't say we have to do any, anything every day. Life happens. We understand that. But, but, but it ought to be the pattern of your life to get up and listen to the Lord, um, what he has to say to you in his word. Read systematically. Fill yourself, your heart, your mind with the word of God. And it'll shut off the enemy's ability to deceive you. Now, there's one other thing that comes to mind here that... Um, this is between you and the Lord. You know the answer to it. I don't. But a lot of times, we give the enemy openings to bring these kinds of lies to us um, by viewing pornography, um, watching things that we shouldn't watch. Um, our sexuality can consume us. Lust can consume us if we give it an opening. And so if you've been looking at pornography, then I'm begging you, put it away for good. Repent. And then saddle next to Jesus. Get really close to Jesus. And let him wash you with his, with his love, with the assurance of who you are. Don't let the devil use other people to convince you, well, maybe there's something to this. Some of the most godly men I know are men with, I want to be gentle as I say this, but, but men who in terms of speech might be characterized by others as effeminate. And these are men that love Jesus with all of their heart. Remember, that's who you are too. Remember, that's who you are too. Anonymous, thanks for the call. It's a very, very important call.
Same thing is true with the transgender issue. Understand that we're men under orders. And if we're Christians, we do what we're told instead of what we feel like doing or what we want to do or what the world tells us is okay to do. The word, the word, the word. Be with Jesus. Thanks, Anonymous. I'm going to be praying for you. If you don't mind, um, either use the questions at Calvary SA um, email address or, or call in again. Let us know how you're doing from time to time. I'm, I'm, I, I, when I say I'm going to be praying for you, I really mean I'm going to be praying for you. Thanks a lot. Uh, okay, my producer's pointing this question I've been ignoring for a few days. I'll close it with this, or close the program with this question today. Another anonymous question, he wants to know, what's going to happen to Calvary Chapel of San Antonio when you're gone? <laughs> uh, uh, it'll probably thrive. Um, it will probably enjoy so much of the blessing of God and begin to be able to fulfill so much of the vision that God has given me. But here's what I know for sure, Anonymous. God doesn't need me here at Calvary Chapel. Uh, I already know who will replace me, who's going to take over. Um, the whole church knows that. Uh, I'm, I'm not in any hurry. Uh, there's no timetable. I will never retire. So... Um, when, when I stop doing this, it will be because I have no choice. But I'm certainly not going to um, worry about the future Calvary Chapel is in really good hands because this has, is and always has been Jesus' church. Uh, if, if I thought for a moment Jesus needed me, then um, I would really need to be humbled by God. So um, my opinion is that Calvary Chapel is going to go places I never could have taken it with a much smarter and more spiritual pastor. <laughs> I don't even know how to respond. Hey, thanks for the program today. Be careful. It's 40 degrees out there with a wind chill of about 34, and it's raining, so be careful on the streets. We'll be here tonight at church. Hope you are too. God bless you. See you tomorrow at 4. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapels, the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word to stand on for life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The word to stand on for life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.